Okay, hello, hello, hello. We're back. Welcome back to the Daily Thread. We have an amazing episode for you today. We do. So stay tuned. Okay, so let's jump right into the email box because that's what we do to start our episodes. And we do have a few emails. Um, and we got an email um, and I'll start reading it. Hi, I love your podcast. I just had a question for... Larry Gordon, my father, on something he said yesterday, comparing the state of Israel to people who are in Hatzalah regarding Chil Shabbos. I believe he was saying that in order for the country to run, people need to des- desecrate the Shabbos, similar to people who are l- l- living, losing their lives in a medical way. Can you please ask him to clarify these remarks? Because I think the contrast <coughs> of the two could not be more glaring. The leadership of the state was founded on anti-Orthodox ideals in a very strong way. The people working for Hatzalah, literally saving people's lives, are the most devoted to Orthodox ideals. Comparing the two groups, I think, is a very misinformed. While we do have a state of Israel, I don't think anyone condones the Jews that Jews should desecrate the Shabbos. The dispute is more how to deal with it. Now, if you could bring this up, I would really it would be really be great. If you could share my name, it's Jack from Tom's River, New Jersey. Okay, Jack. okay, Jack from Tom's River, okay. New Jersey. You want to answer that? I'm not going to answer it, but All we right, have to first make a disclaimer that halakhically we yeah. can't really speak to anything. Of course, listen. listen this, there's a lot to unpack there. There's a lot, there's a lot of questions uh, there, and we're not the definitive experts on anything. We're two people that are uh, discussing issues of the day. Uh, like you'd have a conversation with one of, one of your friends or one of your family members. You could take, if there's a halakhic thing, you could just take it, you call your rav. Maybe we'll have a rav come you know, on here but once the, to the fundamental understanding, uh, uh, Jack's fundamental understanding is, I'm sure he's a great guy, but he wasn't listening with his full attention. <laughs> okay? <laughs> Always blame the victim, huh? <laughs> he's, not a, he's not a victim. He's not a victim, but he wasn't listening. He wasn't listening to what I, to what I, what I was saying. I wasn't making drawing a parallel between... Uh, guys that drive to save lives on Shabbos and uh, doing things in Israel that are, you know, violations of uh, uh, halachas uh, of Shabbos. I wasn't drawing a parallel between the two. I wasn't comparing the two. I was just saying that independently of one another, there is a mechanism in every type of function within the confines and the parameters of halacha. There is a um, uh, a way to... That they're similar in, in as much as they both have their roots and, and their ways to function and do things that uh, are required and that in some cases supersede Shabbos. I'm saying I'm not saying there's a comparison between them. I'm saying independently there are things that, that can be done uh, um, on Shabbos that are uh, halakhically legal uh, and proper. There's no connection between Hatzalah and how the, uh, the, the, uh, the, the uh, Shabbos is uh, adhered to uh, in Israel. And um, secondarily, it's important to note that... Um, tangentially? Uh, yes, tangentially. Um, you learned something here. Yeah. Uh, tangentially. Well, I'm not sure if it's a word yet, but yeah. Of course it is. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> tangentially... I mean, uh, you have to also understand that there's different views of uh, uh, of uh, what the state of how to define the state of Israel and its meaning to the to the Jewish people. It's probably in Jewish life the most complicated issue that we could probably sit here for twelve hours and discuss. But we're and not, not going to draw do, any conclusions, and we're not going to do that. And I just also want to make another disclaimer: we got a lot of mm. messages and feedback about our, our episode yesterday, where we mentioned the Satma Rebbe, Kathy Hockle. And I don't think in any way at all did we degrade, bash, put down anyone, especially a Rav or a Rebbe in yesterday's episode. We just discussed the story. And to be honest, if 
Summer is going to receive $94 million from the state of New York, then all the power to them. Great. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. We didn't at all say anything that that is wrong. We wouldn't do that. And uh, not on this show. Maybe a different show, but not this one. Okay. Um, I, I, I re-listened to the show this morning. Oh, you did. After I saw that email. And absolutely uh, wrong to say that we uh, were critical or, or condemned uh, or even inferred something critical of the Satan Rebbe Baron in, uh, in Monroe. We were just uh, reporting the fact that he came out. Why do people do that? Why do people uh, all of a sudden remember. jump to, like even some of the comments on YouTube? And okay. it's, you I think it's worth it to address this as well because you, uh, you mentioned the Meshachachma. Someone emailed us yesterday yeah. about the okay. and someone okay. said, who are you to just say the Meshachachma yeah. is not relevant? And I don't think that was said. There's different, there's different circumstances. Meshachachma, as your brother Yochanan uh, uh, pointed out online, lived 100 years ago. And, and uh, life was different uh, then. And there's different uh, standards today. It's not taking on or contradicting the Meshachachma. Everything has to be viewed in its, uh, its, its, its proper context. Oh, you know what? What happened to our conversation about the Johnson Amendment? And endorsing candidates uh, for religious institutions that live in fear of losing their nonprofit status. I don't think you can get clearer than endorsing both uh, uh, Lee Zeldin from all kinds of religious institutions, and then also in the case of uh, the other organization, other community we were talking about, uh, endorsing Huckle. What happened to the people trembling about uh, talking about <laughs> that just popped politics from the pulpit? Yeah, uh, people, are, the, the, the Jewish leaders are trembling about the Johnson Amendment. Amendment, well, that uh, that you're not allowed to get involved in uh, political endorsements from the from the pulpit. That seems to have flown away. Not anymore. I guess it's not an issue anymore, <laughs> to be honest. Well, uh, anyways, um, we're not going to spend the episode talking anymore about Kyrie Irving, but I just want to give a quick update oh, on that. Yeah, Charles Barkley and the cat and the and the crew at TNT made a very great point. They pretty much said, you know what, Adam Silver, you're a Jew. If someone in insulted my religion, if someone made a slur about about any other uh, race religion. They would be suspended. There's no reason why he's not suspended. Uh, I think he should have been suspended. Uh, I think Adam should have suspended him. First of all, Adam's Jewish. You can't take my $40 million and insult my religion. If you're going to insult me, you have the right. But I have the right to say, no, you're not going to take my $40 million and insult my religion. I think the NBA, they made a mistake. We have suspended people and fined people who have made homophobic slurs. Uh, and that, that was the right thing to do. I think if you insult the, uh, the black community, you should be suspended or fined heavily. I believe that the ADL is working with right. the Brooklyn Nets to, okay. to uh, sort of rectify the situation, maybe educate Mr. Irving on, on his uh, yeah. lackings. Did you see the clip I sent you about Amari Stoudemire yesterday? Um, he, they, he was on one of the sports shows. They asked him to comment on it. They said, Amari, you're a black man. You're also an Orthodox Jew. Uh, what do you think about it? I mean, my initial reaction was what I've noticed throughout the years of Kyrie is that he's a guy who's really trying to find his identity, right? He's on this quest of searching for information and, and knowledge. And while, while acquiring this type of information, he got to be more mindful of doing more research, checking your sources, reviewing before you actually, you know, promote anything. It. Right, exactly. And I think that's something that Kyrie's probably lacking right now is that he's not really doing the full vetting of what he's promoting. And I think that's getting him into trouble. I don't know if you saw this. There's an additional story that uh, the Nets and Irving are both uh, contributing $500,000 each. Hmm, to what? To programs to uh, 
heightened sensitivity uh, to different types of uh, religions, especially in this you case. You know, it's just like the, the Protestant church where you can sort of pay off your sins. Well, listen, if they, 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 it, it may not be the, the 100% way to uh, erase what happened in the past, but certainly is a demonstration of, of good faith to uh, demonstrate that you at least are interested in rectifying what obviously was a colossal wrong. Whatever. My opinion does not change in that. A main story that we're going to discuss today is the story of Elon Musk. Elon Musk, who paid over $40 billion to buy Twitter... Um, he's kind of trolling the entire world, especially in the entire liberal world, because uh, Elon Musk is just buying Twitter because he wants to bring back free speech. He doesn't want to see people get deplatformed and canceled right. online. Right. And it really begs the whole conversation about free speech in general. What is the Torah's stance on free speech? Is free speech something that we value? Or do we say, you know what, free speech isn't something we value. But um, the thing that people are really struggling with online is the fact that on Twitter, if you're not familiar, there is a blue check verification. If you are a well-known figure, if you're, if you're a public personality, you get a blue check and people know this is you. It's verified that it's you. Uh-huh. Not everyone gets that, but specific people get it. Up until now, it's been a process. Maybe you fill out some forms, you prove that you, very hard to attain, yeah. um, but it was free. Elon Musk wants to introduce a system where it's $8 a month to receive that blue check, it comes with other um, advantages and benefits to that. Your conver- you know, your 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 replies on conversations get you know put to the top. Oh, yeah. And uh, Alexandria Ocasio Cortez, amongst others, took to AOC. Twitter, which is ironic. She took to Twitter to write, uh, laughing at a billionaire earnestly trying to sell people on the idea that free speech is actually eight dollars a month subscription plan. Elon Musk is not the type of person who just shies away when people call him out publicly. Right. So he responds, your feedback is appreciated. Now pay $8. Yeah. <laughs> and then Elon Musk goes ahead and takes a picture from a, a AOC's website uh, where he finds a Periwinkle Supporter Crew sweatshirt for $58. <laughs> and he posts an emoji like this. Uh-huh. <laughs> Elon Musk, and I'll put this on the screen. He then posts a meme of uh, a Starbucks latte that costs $8. Mm-hmm. And people are laughing and happily buying it. Then the blue check from Twitter that costs $8 and they're screaming and yelling. So this is happening on Twitter. It's really, really interesting. Uh, He's kind of taking on the world. Stephen King as well um, went at him and say, are you crazy? I'm not paying $8 a month. And um, Elon Musk is just kind of laughing at the thing that these these millionaires are complaining about $8 a month. So, I mean, aren't there blue checks on WhatsApp too? There's a blue check there too, but you can disable it. But no, 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 no. Oh that, wow, no. this yeah. is good. This Wait, is this is second. gonna be good. Oh, hold on, hold on. When this you, is gonna when be you good. When you send somebody a WhatsApp, oh no. Well, well, you know that you know that they've seen it when the when this the, is really when bad the, when the when the check turns blue. Why the, is that bad? That totally different checks. Blue check is a blue check to me. Oh my goodness. <laughs> what do you mean by a blue check on Twitter? Should I show you? Yeah, a blue check is a blue check. No, look. Okay, what's uh, a blue for, check? For example. NASCAR has a blue check. They're verified. You see that? Wait, that let me blue. See that. Hold on a second. Let me. Oh, see we got to get check. the glasses out. No, the same one they have on WhatsApp. No, it's not. Sure it is. It's Take a different a blue check. No, doesn't it? This has a, that's a white check with a blue background. Yes, and what WhatsApp's blue, there's totally different meaning like meanings. Yes, can, oh, someone, can someone do a green check or a black check? What does everyone do? On WhatsApp, it's to see that someone read your message. On Twitter, it's to verify that you are who you say you are. <laughs> no, but the very smart people on WhatsApp they disable that 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 uh, that feature so that 
you never know when somebody. I know, uh, but read the downside to that is you never know. Meaning they can't see if you read it, but you can't see if they read it either. People obviously there are people that don't want you to know that they're that they're ignoring you. Uh, uh, like it's a, you know without saying anything, without even tapping out one letter, it's a way of communicating. Interesting. It, is there is there an etiquette when it comes to WhatsApp that like if you, like people, some people would say you cannot blue check somebody. You can't read their message and not respond. I am under the impression that if I read something, okay, I hear, I see it. I'll respond when I'm able to respond. I don't need to just because you have more access to reach me does not mean I have to drop everything and respond okay, right away. Nahi, but um, not responding is a form of communicating a message. Someone, I don't think so. Not on WhatsApp. Ask you something. If not I, on WhatsApp. If I write to you, which I often do, how are you doing today? And you don't answer me for four hours. <laughs> you know, it's not exactly you know. Or I have a I have another relative, my brother. My younger brother, uh, who I could write to him on Thursday, how you doing? And he can answer me the following Tuesday, and he'll write back to me, okay. <laughs> Only five days later, he hasn't seen it. You know, that's possible. But you, I know, have seen it. But, but, but I, do, I, do I always respond? Uh, n- not 100%. Not, not always. No? no? But I know you've seen it. How? Because of blue check. <laughs> <laughs> I'm shutting off my blue checks. But I, again, I and I wonder if you're on my side, please leave a comment you here on what? YouTube. Because I think when your father or your mother uh, WhatsApps you, uh, you you have uh, it's an Indian of uh, of Derek Heritz to be responsive. I think a two or four hour lag time in between is, a, is actually it's a subtle form of disrespect. What? Sorry. That's not fair. Sorry. That's not fair. Let's see what the people have to say. I think that you're, is. You're, you're from the older generation where you're equating blue checking no, my to father, someone. My father was from the older generation. I'm practically from your generation. Practically. You know? a little bit, I'm a little bit of a, of a hybrid. but A little uh, bit. Struggling. A struggling hybrid. I don't know. You guys can chime in. I, I'm under the impression that just because you can, and maybe not with a parent I hear, I, I, I do object to what you're saying. I think I get back to you right away. Um, Can you imagine you picking up the phone and calling you, you say hello, and I start saying something, and I don't know, and you're making a potato kugel. You don't answer. Yep, yeah, you understand the difference. Nice? You understand the difference, right? I choose to answer the phone there, which means I am ready to engage in a conversation. Just because I have a WhatsApp account and you can reach me whenever you want, doesn't mean that I am ready to engage in a conversation. You do make potato kugel, right? I do. Okay, I don't know how to make potato kugel. We'll have to discuss. Maybe we'll do one on the show once. Yeah, we we well, we'll make one right here. Right here. You gonna bring an oven in here? Listen, we gotta do what we gotta do. Anyways, free speech. Free speech. Okay, free speech. I know you have lots of things to say, but as a as a foundation to the whole concept of the conversation, what this God created life, plant life, animal life, human life. Everyone everyone has to eat. Everybody has to sleep. Everybody has to do whatever they have to do. There's one distinguishing factor which separates man or woman. When I say man, I mean humankind from the rest of the creations, and that is the ability to speak. So that is God's choice uh, that he in, 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 uh, ingrained in us, planted in us, uh, this ability to articulate, our, first of all, this ability to think, right. and this ability to, ability to articulate those thoughts. No, no, no other form of life, and there are many forms of life. There's plant life, there's trees, there's fish in the sea. That doesn't dictate free speech, though. What? That doesn't. I no, mean, it dictates the 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 responsibility that comes along with uh, the ability to speak. So then, I mean, but the Torah also has concept of lashon hara, which is very encompassing of things that you can't say and places you can't go with your speech. Is that a form of restricting free speech? Do we not have free speech because 
because of the uh, laws of Lashon Hara? You know, um, you have to really, uh, you're talking about, uh, like you said, with the Chafetz Chaim, uh, expanded, expanded upon very uh, extensively on, on the laws of Lashon Hara, which, you know, your friend from the Chafetz Chaim Heritage Foundation could talk about for uh, a long time. Uh, and then um, the freedoms associated with the First Amendment, which is your right to express yourself, which has gotten out of control. Okay. What do you mean it gotten out? Of, it's gotten out of control. Well, I mean, there's no limits to what's said, you know. And but I think that there's, there's, there's been a limit. On, on honestly, there has been yes. a limit. You've seen people deplatformed for saying certain things. That um, I mean, you see people again. The whole basis of why Elon Musk wanted to buy Twitter is because you have people. Uh, most notably, is Donald Trump, whose account was taken away from him. Right. And he his free speech, more or less, was taken away from him. Whether you agree it should have been or it shouldn't have been, it's a discussion worth having. Of like, as from Jews, are we in favor of what do we what are we like what are we in favor of what do we promote? Are we happy that someone like Donald Trump uh, uh, got his got his platform taken away? Does it, I, I choose to believe the Torah does not have no opinion on everything? But like, it's not just a matter of uh, of from Jews. It's a matter of responsible people. Uh, all religions uh, have the have have an intellect. They're given the ability to think, and like I said a moment ago, to uh, express those thoughts, to articulate those thoughts. And it has to be done with a lot of consideration. A lot of it comes naturally. A lot of it has to be thought out. You don't want to hurt people. For sure. Uh, you, don't want to, um, you don't want to say things that uh, damage people or, or are wrong or lie or mislead people. And we see that uh, uh, all around us. Uh, that's just an ethical uh, human, um, human thing that we'd like to adhere to. Then there's the matter of, uh, of halakhic implications of, uh, of speech and how, and how it hurts people. It says somewhere that when people speak Lashon Hara, it hurts three people. What? The people, person speaking it, the person hearing it, and the person that it's spoken about. Now, the question is, what does that have to do with the person that it's spoken about? You know, if you're the person speaking Lashon Hara, bad. If you're the person listening to it, also bad. But what does that have to do with the guy, you know, living in New Jersey who you're talking about? And it says that um, when, a, when a person is spoken about, it brings whatever is being said into life. It creates a possibility, uh, a, a, a fulfilling possibility that such a thing can actually happen because once it's articulated, once it's expressed, once it's out, out there beyond the thought process, um, it becomes the uh, more of a, a possibility of becoming a uh, uh, a reality. I hear you. So I think the the responsibility aspect, how how careful we need to be with our speeches, is is um, understood. I hope it's understood. In some cases, we see that it is. In some cases, we see that it, we see that it isn't. On, on in the secular world, for example, do you believe that speech should truly be free? And what does free speech actually mean? Do you think people should never be deplatformed? Do you think that if someone like uh, uh, Farrakhan wants to get up there and and to be honest, I think on this show we've been we've been um, we've been trying to go at someone's free speech. We're saying Kyrie Irving can't say what he's saying. We're saying Kanye West can't say what he's saying. So are we not in favor of free speech? Where do we fall in that? Well, listen, uh, you can you know you can walk up to somebody on the street and and, and kick him in the back or uh, slap him in the face. Yeah, uh, you know all you're doing is expressing uh, you felt like doing it, and unfortunately, there's a lot of that 
uh, going around. A guy yeah, pushes uh, somebody off a subway platform. He felt like doing yeah, it. But violence is that part of his freedom? No, but violence is is there's laws against violence. Okay, these are these are border these are borderline things that have to be carefully analyzed. So you can't scream bomb or fire in a packed theater or right. an airport, right? Even though but you're, is there anything you're free to speak? Is there anything else in the secular world that you cannot say? Uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I have to. I have to think about it. I have to think about it. Uh, because I mean, I mean, uh, in in terms of uh, in terms of law, I don't think there's anything. Uh, this day and age, these modern times, I don't think there's anything. What was holding people back from saying hurtful things fifty years ago or a hundred years ago? You know, on, there weren't, there weren't well, any laws. No, about I think it. the but just, first, it was a, it was it was a, it was greater decency. There was a higher it was higher values. Uh, people were more conscious of morality, and people understood that things that they said could be hurtful to people. And you know, there's so many examples of it. We see we see how. You know, in our world where, where people, you know, have a problem later in life because something, someone in yeshiva or in their school, whatever they went to, said to them when they were in third grade or fifth grade, and it just stayed with them uh, uh, forever. You hear many cases like that. So what can I tell you? It's a, it's a, it's a, a great, it's a colossal responsibility, uh, what you say to people and how you, uh, how you communicate with them. It's not a matter of what's legal and not legal in terms of American jurisprudence, but in terms of halacha, obviously the, the laws of lashon hara are, uh, are 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 very extensive. Again, I, I do you think that Twitter, for example, should be a platform where nobody gets deplatformed, where everyone has the ability to express themselves however which way possible when it comes to speech? They can share whatever political views they want. They can sh- they can share anything, and there's no. Uh, I think we need. Fr- I think I think the the world needs freedom of speech. You know why? Um, even though sometimes it uh, oversteps boundaries because the opposite of that is even more dangerous, suppressing people. You see it all around the world when people, you know, places like Iran, you can't, you, there's, no, there's no Google. You can't get on right. the internet. They, and, and places and parts of China too. They control what you're able to know. Yeah. Is there anything more dangerous than having a government um, um, controlling what they believe you should know? And we're seeing little hints of that. In the United States right now, and that's what got <laughs> Elon Musk so exercised and so anxious to reverse that, and that's what he's hopefully accomplished. Yeah, and it, you know, I, I want to sort of transition to the next topic, but I think sure. it's an important one to to think about. You could debate at your dinner tables about free speech and and uh, where we hold in that, and if there's politicians in your life that you feel are trying to take away those liberties of how you express yourself and what's okay to say and don't align yourself. Don't align yourself with that. I, of course, as Jews, we have our our laws from the Torah we're, about we're, how we, we have speak. A, we answer to a higher authority. We answer to a higher authority. It's not like government. I said that was a that was the theme of uh, Hebrew National Frankfurters. That was in their commercials many years. Oh, ago. was it? We answer to a higher authority. They were trying to tell you that it's kosher. I yeah, don't well, know it's I guess around. not that high. Is it around anymore? I don't even know. I don't if know. Hebrew National is around anymore. Anyways, there is a picture posted online. Um, I, I this is just something that. It bugs me. Here, here's the story. CNBC. Let me hear. Twitter workers who have stuck around are being ordered to work 84-hour weeks, 12 hours a day, seven days a week to meet Elon Musk's tight deadlines. Mm-hmm. And here's a picture of somebody sleeping on the floor in Twitter's headquarters. Mm-hmm. A photo of a Twitter manager sleeping on the floor at the company's office got posted on the social network as employees scramble to meet tight deadlines imposed by new owner Elon Musk. Now, here's my issue with this. Okay? Okay. You're not, you're not in China. You're not working for a dictator. You have a nice, cozy job at Twitter. 
You're probably getting paid very well. You probably have amazing benefits. You probably have transportation to and from work. Yeah, a private car. And you're getting paid for all those hours that you're working. So what's what's the, what's the issue? This story makes it sound like you're 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 working in a sweatshop a sweatshop in China. Like this isn't Apple, which Apple does have that. Like you're you're, you're, you're they're trying to paint Elon Musk to be this person who's sitting there like a paro with a whip yeah. hitting his people for working well. and a picture of a person sleeping on the floor. Do me a favor. Here, here guess what? If you don't like it, you can quit. I'll make you a question. Uh, first of all, you don't have to go to China for a Chinese sweatshop. You go to Chinatown? They have them in Brooklyn. Okay. <laughs> they have them in Brooklyn and Chinatown, so you don't have to go that far. You don't have to go to the airport and fly 12, 15, 16 hours. Um, you, ever, you ever work through the night? You ever work a whole 24 yes. hours? Recently I did, in the summer, yeah, when right. we were putting out a Shivas Bertamas film. Oh, really? And it was the you night before Shivas Bertamas, and I, I, it, was a, it was a Matze Shabbos, and I worked from, I, Shabbos is over probably around 9.30, and I ended up going to sleep around 6.30 a.m. So I, I worked more, a few times also through the night. Uh, and, uh, you know, it's, it's difficult. Like, for example, in the 1980s, mid-1980s, I was the only Jewish employee of a radio station, uh, 13.30 a.m., WNYM. Uh, the, the studios were in Staten Island, and it was owned by fundamentalist Christians, which right. is a great story about my experience with that. I worked there many years, but there was like 42 hours a week of Jewish programming that I was in charge of. Uh, and they didn't know what to do Christmas Eve and New Year's Eve. What are they going to do? They can't ask anybody to work. Hey, let's ask Gordon to work. He doesn't know. <laughs> he doesn't. So hey, wants, one day, I remember one year, I think it was New Year's Eve. You know what? I was so sick. I think I had the flu. But I couldn't tell them that I can't come in. They were depending on me to be the overnight engineer. So I, I was there a whole night. I was there until 8 o'clock from 8 p.m. To, to, to 8 a.m. Really? And um, I worked other times through the night. I worked in also in the 1980s. I worked for an organization that had a, you know, a major dinner for 1,500 people. And you're just in the office and you're working and you're on a deadline. And before you know it, it's, it's 3 or 4 o'clock in the morning. It doesn't pay, doesn't pay to go home. I, I hear that. But, you know, did you think that was inhumane? Well, no. First of all, it wasn't routine. It was uh, unusual. It was an aberration. And uh, I'm, what I wanted to say was, in retrospect, it was very rewarding. Right. You know, because it just goes to show you if you push yourself, what you can get I just, done again, by pushing like, yourself. First of all, it doesn't add up to me. They're, they're working 12 hours a day. Okay, so let's say you're working from 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. Why do you got to sleep in the office? I don't know. Where maybe they live far away. I don't know. So get a different job. Like, this is not... Where they sleep in the office? On the floor? Here's the picture. Let me see that. Uh, looks comfortable. It does. <laughs> looks very cozy. Yeah, he was prepared. He brought a sleeping bag. I think it's a she, but it's an eye mask. Well, apparently, and a sleeping bag. He or she knew they were going to be there. They got a mask. They got a uh, what? What's that thing? A, a thing to cover an their eye eyes. Mask. An eye mask. Called an eye mask. Not so complex. Yeah, not, not so complex. It's not a blindfold. Well, if you're being kidnapped, it's a blindfold. If you're going to sleep, it's an eye mask. I never heard of an eye mask. I heard of a blindfold. That's <laughs> that's if you're being kidnapped. I think. I don't think so. Um, so uh, I, you know what. Um, media, CNBC, relax, relax. They're not being held against their will. They don't need to work at Twitter. They can very easily walk out the door and quit. And I think that's just my opinion. I don't, well, I got to paint him to be some dictator. I'm very, I'm very tired today. Are you? Yeah, I got up very early today. Why? Well, for, you know, the paper was published last night. Okay. And, uh, and I, got a, I got a text at 4 a.m. from my main delivery guy saying that, oh, I don't think it's going to be ready on time. Why? So I don't know, but it, but you know what? But it was ready a little bit late. It was ready by five thirty instead of four a.m. Tangentially, it was a big paper, 
It was a big paper, and they just uh, just just went slow. With it, so, do you do do you when you were a kid? Did you wake up early or you slept a little bit late? I always I didn't get up as early as I get up today uh, these days, but I always got up early. Like what time? Seven a.m. Okay, so you never you never got up routinely at eight a.m. eight thirty. No, I was never late. Even sleep, as a kid, no, I, I I don't have. I I've always felt that when you open your eyes and you don't have sleep in you, get up and do something. I mean, just to, I know people my age that could sleep till 12 noon. Really? 1 p.m. I, I felt like. I don't get it. I, f- I feel like everyone your age is up at 5 a.m. Um, um, everyone my age is up at 5 a.m. Uh, I don't know if that's the case. Uh, I don't know. I, I know I'm up at. Uh, and my, my question is like, at one point, is that going to happen to me where well, all of a sudden I'm going to be like up at 430? Uh, it's, it's not it's not a bad thing. It's just when you get older, I think. You need less sleep? You need less sleep. Really? You know? what, why? You know, my, my, my father used to wear glasses, reading glasses. And then when he when he reached 65, he told me that all of a sudden he said he I don't know if he was joking or not. He says he could see better without the glasses. But he kept the glasses in his pocket over here. He said, when the glasses in his pocket, he could see better. <laughs> then with his glasses on. I, I think I'm, I don't know. I don't know. You know, it could be related to the food you eat. You know? What, the sleeping? Don't you, don't you find sometimes, like, when you're fasting, that you have greater clarity in the course of the day? Sometimes sometimes on Tisha B'Av or, or Shivasabhatamas, or, uh, not so much Yom Kippur because you're busy with other things. But, you know, Tainas Esther, sometimes when I'm reading something... The words look bigger. Well, you don't pollute your uh, your mind with uh, all kinds of chemicals that you ingest from coffee and tea and whatever else you're eating and drinking. Sometimes things are clearer and more understandable. How do we get on that subject? I don't know, but I don't know if I agree. I think like people who fast, they're a little more dazed and like groggy. No, but yeah, and maybe it's part of the day, but then you cross a certain boundary and uh, when the, your body realizes that it's not getting any nutrition Possible. it kind of kicks in and, and, and functions even better sometimes. Interesting. New York Post headline Vladimir Putin is battling cancer and Parkinson's disease leaked in emails yeah. claim report. I heard, that, I heard that a while ago. Is that true? I don't know. This is on New York Post, November 2nd, 1024 a.m. You know, we should reach out to the rabbi, chief rabbi of uh, Russia, Beryl Lazar. We have connections I mean, it to would, him. It would make sense. He's been exhibiting some well, interesting behaviors. Know, well, he's 70 years old, apparently. I don't know how old he years is. Old. He's not that old. Uh, I don't think the might. age has to... Well, if he's ill, that could explain his... Uh, in part, that could explain his uh, going to war uh, with the Ukraine. You think so? He, he believes that... Uh, the Russian Empire has to be what it once was before uh, before communism fell back in the end of the 1980s. Interesting. Well, I guess we'll find that at some point if it's real or not. Yes. So we have a couple more stories that I want to roll through in today's episode. Okay, take your time. I'm not in a One rush. of them is about Mattress Mac. If you if you do not know about Mattress no Mac, you no still have no idea. idea. You didn't read the article? I, no, I didn't read the article. Oh, goodness. I wanted to hear about it from you. Okay, directly. Mattress Ooh. Mac. So Mattress Mac is somebody from Houston. This is a sports section from of where? the- Houston? Yeah, this is the sports section of this podcast. So, okay. But it's more than sports. It's also including money. So if you might like it. Mattress Mac's $10 million bets in the World Series could net him a record $75 million. Okay. Uh, Jim McInvale, the Texas furniture salesman who famously hedges sports bets with furniture promotions, said he has placed a total of $10 million of bets on his beloved Houston Astros in this year's World Series. Mm -hmm. And if he wins, the payout would be $75 million. Mm -hmm. Okay, now you're asking, what is the promotion? Okay, 
uh, Mattress Mac, which his name is known as, is he's 71, year, 71 years old, is the owner of Gallery Furniture in Houston. Mm-hmm. As part of a marketing campaign, he routinely offers his customers a special promotion around key, sport, uh, key sporting events. This time, if you spend $3,000 or more on a mattress, mm-hmm. your purchase is free if the Astros, if the Astros win, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. If the bet hits, then he'll get the $10 million capital that he invested so he doesn't have any cost in the promotion. And if the Phillies win, right, and if his bet doesn't hit, then he's out $10 million. So I have vested interest either way, but my real interest is making sure the customers win. So I heard, and I don't see this in this article, but I heard that this year, if the Astros do win, not only is he giving people back their money, if they bought a $3,000 mattress, uh-huh. but he's giving $6,000. Because if the Astros win, he's getting $75 million. Mm-hmm. So it's basically marketing on his end. Yeah, I hear If you're that. buying a mattress in Houston, yeah. you're going to him. Why? Because mm-hmm. if your team wins, he runs several promotions throughout the year. Right. If his team wins, then you get your money back. And in this case, you're getting double. So all eyes are on the 71-year-old sitting in the front row of the World Series. It's pretty smart. Because he has in it more than some of the players. <laughs> it's, it's, it's pretty brilliant. Uh, the series is tied 2-2, by the way, yeah, right? Yeah, it is. And they had a no-hitter last night. Unbelievable. They had five pitches. They had no hitter. Five pitches, no-hitter. But the night before, the Phillies hit five home runs. Uh-huh. So you never know. The Knicks uh, collapsed last night. Knicks were up by 23, <laughs> and they lost by 23. Like, it's unbelievable. The Knicks never change. You know, we, we, I discussed in my podcast on Meaningful People with, Wawa, with Rabbi Y.Y. Jacobson about epigenetics, okay. where the traumas of generations, generations before, live through to the future generations and the present generation. Okay. And I think that applies with sports teams as well. I think the New York Knicks forever will be that team that could have a 23-point lead. And this could be in 30 years. It was 30 years ago, and it could be in 50 years. <laughs> but it'll never a, be safe. They were once a championship team. Yeah, you're right. They you were know, once. Walt Frazier. <laughs> they Earl were Monroe, once. Earl, Earl de Pearl Monroe, Walt Frazier, Dave DeBusha. You know, the, they were once a great team. I don't know. They were un, once unbeatable. They just don't seem to get it. It seems to me the more money they pay the players, the less they are motivated to uh, to perform. more they pay? Looks like that. Interesting. It's an interesting. Uh, it's a really no. interesting psychology. Um, on to the next story. So that's that's very interesting. So if you don't really care about who wins the World Series, if you follow closely, I don't care. I don't care who wins the World. If you follow Series. closely, you'll see uh, J- uh, Mattress Mac sitting in that front row, and uh, Mattress Mac sitting in the front row, and maybe hope he wins his seventy-five million dollars. I don't care who wins the World Series. I'm waiting for spring training to start. Are you? Let's go, Mets. Yeah. Yeah, February, I don't know if I February. could take another season to be honest. February, I think end of February, pitches and catches report. Crazy. What you have now, which it never really happens, mm. is you have the other night you go watch a basketball, hockey, baseball, and football game. So right. I think you know there was because the MLB season got started late. Right. It's 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 amazing. <laughs> Yesterday was the day that the Parkland victims offered their impact statements. Nicholas Cruz, uh, the deranged murderer right. sat there as 17, 17 families got up there and read their impact statements and here's a clip of some of them. The only comfort I have is that your life in prison will be filled with horror and fear. So my hope for you is that you die sooner rather than later. I have no forgiveness in my heart for you. You are a monster with no remorse and every breath you take is a breath wasted. We hope that you, the monster who did this to our son, endure a painful existence in your remaining days. Whatever pain you experience in prison, unfortunately, will be a fraction of what Ben endured. 
you know, obviously these parents are extremely emotional and this is their opportunity yeah. to, to get off, get out yeah. that grief in some way. Um, it's worth noting that a few of those parents happen to be Jewish. Um, it's very sad. It's very sad. It's, um, it's a nice upscale area, uh, Parkland. Uh, it's right near Fort Lauderdale, I think. Um, you know, these things, th- these things that happen in these communities really destroy these communities. They, even the people, there's nobody that lives in Parkland that wasn't affected by this. There's no one who lived in Uvalde that's not affected by this. There's right. no one that lives in, in Sandy, Columbine. Sandy Hook. Sandy Hook, Columbine. These places never recover. It's forever. And it's such a sad, disgusting it's, uh, thing. It's a communal uh, trauma. It's, uh, yeah. There's no question about it. And uh, there's nothing to be said. There's nothing to be said. It's, it's sad. Um, you see him sitting there. You know, the guy has to be sociopathic to be able to just sit there unemotional. You know, what, what could he do? Plead. Even his attorneys were crying. You know, to plead, what should he do? Plead for forgiveness? I don't think he has within him to do that. He's just, I don't know what's going on inside that head of his, but probably nothing that you could say that is going to be categorized as being uh, functionally normal. Well, I know that, you know, the jury had the opportunity to impose the death penalty on him. Yeah, that's and a, that's one a juror, uh, yeah. one juror yeah. uh, did not want to impose it. And that's why he ended up getting life in prison and not sentenced to death. I'm curious what you think about that. So what are you saying? Are you saying are you for the death penalty? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I, I kind of think like killing him is a cop out for him. Like let him suffer the rest of his life. I don't know. I don't know what, what's the Torah's stance on death penalty and and. Uh, well, listen. I mean, I, we have I, we have Chayav Misa for stuff. Of course, Chayav Misa. Also, that uh, they say that a a Bezdin that convicted somebody and killed them uh, once in seventy years was called the bloody Bezdin. So yes, you have on the <coughs> books you have the whole idea of someone being Chayav Misa from a Bezdin from a you know flesh and blood Bezdin. Not talking about Bidei Shemayim talking down you know down here uh but um it was very rare when they when when they killed some all the mechanism is there for all different types of deaths you know skila uh and and uh Harika and all different types of deaths and the whole conversation in the gemara about what what the different types of deaths mean and you wonder to yourself sometimes what's the difference the guy's dying at the end anyway but yeah. some are considered uh more harsh forms of death and some are considered more uh, lenient um, but um, I don't know. Uh, the, so the death penalty definitely is there uh, very clearly in the, in the Torah, but the flip side of that is uh, if you're ordained, if it's ordained from, from above, from heaven, for someone to die, you know, that, that, that's going to happen in any combination of ways. But in terms of man um, affecting uh, the death of another man based on what he did, it's on the books. But it's also rare. I, I think that, I think that for the families, I understand why they want the death penalty. It's hard to bear the fact that this person gets to live while their kid was yeah, not hunted you, down. There, there's another important aspect of that, and that is, um, if this guy would suffer, if this guy would be, I don't know, get the lethal injection, let's say, you know, yeah. they've been trying for decades to figure out what's a, what's a humane way to kill somebody that deserves death. Okay. okay? Let's 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 be adults about it. Someone deserves death, but based on what he did, the, the heinous crime that he committed, and the suffering and the pain that he uh, and that he caused. So, what's the proper type of death penalty? Electric chair, you know, that's yeah. that's weird. Electric Sounds a little chair, bit. hanging, hanging somebody, um, or you give him a lethal injection. You give okay. him some some bad uh, bad medicine, and he just you know he he falls asleep. 
but but so does that is that effective in communicating a message to other people that might think about doing something like this? You know what? Or I don't think some, so. Is there somebody out there that says, you know what? I have this crazy. Uh, uh, um, impulse to want to shoot up a, a school and I know nothing's going to happen to me. I'm going to get arrested. I'm going to be sent to a jail and I'm going to have a place to sleep and three meals a day for the next 50 years. Or is the guy going to be less inclined to do it because he knows he's going to go before a firing squad or he's going to be hung or he's going to get the electric chair. Or I honestly, I don't, I very think, tough, very I think tough. neither because most of the people who do this are psychopaths and they, they, they know good and well that the, the end result of what they're about to do will, could end in their death, whether by police officers barging in or them getting a death penalty. And I don't think they care. I think most of them have a death wish. I think they're fine. You know, you see in the Columbine situation, they took their own lives at the end of their shooting. You know, I, I don't think that, uh, I don't think that either way, um, <laughs> I, these people just need to be, uh, these people need to be identified early, early on somehow and just just kept kept at bay. I don't, I don't think we could put ourselves into a position to be able to understand that. No. That's a that's a place that's very very difficult to 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 go. It's it's pure uh, depravity, I think. Yeah. Well, that's our show for today. That's Hope our you show. enjoyed. Okay, great. Please go ahead and leave a rating, a review. This is the Daily Thread. I'm Nachi Gordon. Larry Gordon here, his father. Yes, my father. And we will be back at you with an episode on Monday. If we're if we're able to secure something, maybe we'll do like a Sunday special where we put out maybe an interview. But we'll okay, see. Okay, we have time. We'll see. We'll see. We'll we'll come back at you with some more episodes. But make sure to subscribe, leave a rating, leave a review, and uh, have a great day.